Hello, rogues. It's episode 13 of the Streets of Avalon re-release. We are eight stretch goals in as of this recording, which means for the $10 PDF, you'll get the book, The Streets of Avalon, and the following supplements. The Urban Ranger, The Firearms of Avalon, A Map of a Neighborhood, Iron Shoes, an Adventure by Avalon creator Brett B. of Gaming and BS, The Urban Barbarian, Ten Magic Items and Spells, Four Character Dossiers of the Characters from this very podcast, and The Blacksmith's Folly, Another Adventure by Brett B. of Gaming and BS, the creator of Avalon. Next up is a district map of Avalon, so click on the link in the post notes if you want to get in on all the dark city-wide urban fantasy action, or you can just type in tinyurl.com slash streetsofavalon. Before we get to the play, let's have another preview for you folks. City Within the City This section, often called the Forbidden City, lies at the eastern end of the city and abuts the outer wall of Avalon. This area has been walled off from the rest of Avalon, with the guards posted by the gate and along its perimeter. No one but the Lachey priests are allowed to enter this protected area, as they proceed to the crypts within to lay to rest those privileged enough to be interred within the ancient chambers. Anyone caught inside without permission, or attempting to break in, are subject to branding and banishment from the city. The original reason for the separation of this portion of the city is not well known. Most scholars hold that it was due to a horrible plague that the magistrates sought to keep from Avalon proper in ages past, but no official documents are clear on the reason. It's believed that nothing truly lives in that section of the city save the crows, rats, and other vermin. Water System The wells and fountains dotting the interior of Avalon are considered part of the sewer system that the Brotherhood of Sanitary Excavators maintains. Most of the folk in Avalon are unaware of the complexity of this design, but they are grateful for the fresh water that graces their wells. An intricate maze of tunnels burrows through the city, utilizing a strong underground river system that flows north to south through Avalon. This river, called the Styx, is a natural occurrence utilized to provide the city with clean water, while also flushing the refuse thrown into it as the wells both collect water and dispose of trash. While it is believed that the Styx is a blessing and a natural wonder, there are enough reports from the excavators and others who venture into the sewers that the space beneath the city is home to more than just fresh water. With the amount of garbage and dead dumped into the refuse cisterns, there is more than enough food for the terrible creatures that dwell beneath Avalon. Most residents will never encounter these things outside of tall tales and taverns, but there are enough first-person accounts to indicate the truth behind the rumors of the monsters dwelling beneath. That's all for this installment. Now on to the next episode, and if you've backed the Kickstarter, I thank you. And if you have or haven't, please tell your friends, enemies, the monsters you know, any rogues you associate with, and everyone in between about the streets of Avalon. Last time on the streets of Avalon, our rogues met a new friend in Muddy Joe, and now they're about to make their way into the sewers, but will they help Chully before they get rid of the box? Let's find out what moves our rogues will make next. Welcome to the streets of Avalon, played by the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars, and presented by Misdirected Mark Productions, in conjunction with Gaming and BS, She's a Super Geek, and the Knights of the Night. Now for the introductions of our GM, the players, and the characters. Uh, Brett B. from Gaming and BS, I am the Dungeon Master. Hi there, this is Kevin Lovecraft. I'm playing a bard in this 5e campaign. Maris Salanus. Uh, my name is Tom. I'm one of the GMs and editors of Knights of the Night Actual Play Podcast. I am uh, playing a druid character, Nora Maginis, also known as Grandmother. I'm Emily from She's a Super Geek. I make up about one half of it, technically. I am playing a ranger 
Fionn McFinnegan. And my name is Chris Nizak, and I am one of the hosts and, uh, I guess, the architect of Misdirected Mark Productions. I am playing a character called Vassar Vim. I am a rogue who lives on the hard streets of Avalon, and I turn the microphone over to Brett B. So, um, Muddy Joe knows a number of different ways down. He's seen the map, Vassar, so he's got a couple different angles and directions he can take to get you guys down there. So, we are going to leave Chelly to his own... We're not going to help him in any way? I have no particular love for Chelly. It's fine. He could take care of himself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a trap, and if we don't show, they might not kill him. If we do show, they'll use him as a bargaining chip. We've seen what Violet's capable of already. And if we come up through the sewers into his house where they're not expecting us? Oh, that might be worth trying. Yeah, let's just take the box directly to the Hammerites. Great idea. Nora, I thought you said you didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there when he was all handsy, but if the man's in danger, we're going to leave him alone even though he helped us? Is that what we do now, Fion? <laughs> Fate of the world in your skirts. It always has been, my dear. How about we do this, Grandma? After we go and deliver the box, we come back up that way and deal with whatever's there. Oh, so this is just an afternoon stroll? It should be just a few minutes? I have no idea. Joe's like, it's just a couple hours. I can get you down around, and then, um, well, the one place I've never been to before, but it can't be more than a couple hours walk. So a couple hours to get to this spot on the map, and I tap the map in front of him? Or you mean a couple hours to go in somewhere and get over to Chully's? Oh, well, well, uh, you want to go the whole way? Uh, hmm, let's see. It'd probably be back by the morning. It's a fair piece. Okay. What about, so, Joe, does the Brotherhood of Sanitary Excavators, do they, like, kind of watch out for each other like uh, some of the other uh, unions and groups in town? Absolutely, absolutely. Always looking out for each other. So, if you knew that Chully was in mortal danger in there, could you put word out to the Brotherhood and they might try to do something? Scratches his chin and is like, you know, that's that's a fair point, too. I mean, if he wasn't, I mean, he is being accosted by nobles, and we don't like that type of thing. So, tell you what, you guys figure out any other problems you all might have, bows of the ladies, and uh, I'm going to go take care of a little guild business, and I'll be right back. Okay, be careful, Joe. No stopping for gambling. <sighs> Fine, I'll be back. That Joe's an all right guy. He could use a bath. Uh, salt of the earth and all that. Or, you know, shit of the earth. Either way. I've already got the wool mustache on. I didn't smell anything. So he'll be back in about a quarter hour, comes back about 15 minutes. He says he's got things squared away, told um, one of the local journeymen what was going down, and they said that they go and investigate that because they will not allow their people to be manhandled like that just because of some stinking noble. Is that satisfactory, Grandmother? Uh, yes, Grandmother nods. She is a little bit happier about the situation. All right, let's go save the world. Excellent. I'm glad we could reach a compromise. And it's not because I like them. Sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Grandmother takes out her notebook and glares at Fionn. You, you know what? If, if Fionn does that, I do that right along with her. And then I, when, when Grandmother glares, I fist bump Fionn if she fist bumps me. Yeah, I'll fist bump you. Fantastic. Good job, Red Eye. Funny stuff. I'll start telling a story about long lost lovers reunited. Just kind of muttering it under my breath. Wow. That's going to be one very angry old lady. All right, folks. So, Muddy Joe takes you through a number of different alleyways, streets, and so forth. 
Vassar and Marsh, you guys know the neighborhood pretty well. These exact pathways that he's taking, you don't always follow. I mean, the alleyways are constantly shifting and changing as buildings are fall down, move, get added onto, and such. He uh, just seems to know everywhere, just by feel, practically. After about 15, 20 minutes of that, come up to an old uh, a dry well. It's got a big cap on it and has a sign posted next to it saying, you know, basically, keep out, guild-appropriate attire, must have written permission, blah, blah, blah. It's an old, worn sign. Muddy looks at that says, I don't know why they put that up. Half of folks can't read anyway. <laughs> Pushes it off a bit, opens up the cap. There's a wonderful waft of uh, raw liquid sewage just kind of whoosh, comes bubbling directly out of this vent hole. It's about, say, six feet in diameter circle. There is a set of iron handholds that go down the one side of it, so that seems to be your way down. Oh, my God, do you work down here? Well, yeah, that's where the work is. Oh. Grandmother was attempting not to use the cloth to maybe prove a point. She does it without trying to draw anyone's attention to it and places it under her nose. She is definitely using it. Vassar puts it on, too. Yeah, I'm strapping mine on, too. So Joe looks at you folks, hands you each a very small lantern. It's a hooded lantern. It's got a little bit of oil in it. He tells you, don't light it yet. He said, it's just it's not safe quite yet. I've got these. He hands you each a small stick. Say it's probably the size of, well, for lack of, it's like a ballpoint pen size. He tells you to smack it on a rock when you need the light. He hops in. He takes the stick. Crack. Basically, it's like a glow stick. It just very faint light radiates off of it. Puts in his teeth, and then he climbs down the rungs. He goes down about 15 feet before you hear the of his legs, feet hitting the water, and he cusses, swears a little bit, and then he scrambles up and says, All right, folks, come on down. I got you. All right, who's next? I'll go first. So I climb down. There's no need for a climbing check or anything like that. You guys have all day. There's no obscene pressure or anything. It's gross. I mean, there's no two ways around it. You will go down there. Vassar, you have two options. You can either drop directly off of the handholds like Joe did into the water, or you could try to do a little sideways acrobatic thing and get, and stay out of it. Yes, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, give me some sort of a check there. Sure. No problem. Oh, my God. It's so gross. Oh, Watch for the floaters. Oh. Oh, no. That's not very good at all, Vassar. <laughs> you rolled a six. Apparently, I'm in the muck. So, Muddy is very tall and thin. Vassar is not incredibly tall, for my uh, for my recollection. Vassar is five foot six. Okay. So, Vassar, you kind of hang from the bottom rung, try to get a little momentum, and let go. You slip off the railing. Your feet hit the side ledge that Muddy's standing on. It's way slicker than you thought it would be. It's whoop. You go down into your wa- uh, right up to your waist. Oh, God. Muddy reaches down, grabs you by the scruff of your neck. Whoop. Put you up, says, don't do that, son. That's just too dangerous. Uh, my arms are out to my side as the <laughs> oh. stuff is, like, dripping down all around me. I'm like, oh, God. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out a dirty hanky, and says, here, clean yourself up, boy. All right, next. Could I get advantage on a dex check, having seen how Vassar failed? Yes, you may. <laughs> all right, I'll go down. Just an eight. Oh, Damn. Red comes down, she's like, I know how this works. She 
comes off and basically where Vassar is, Vassar's like, oh God, oh God. He turns, she bangs into his back, kind of pushes his face up against the wall, which is not very fun either. Oh. And then she falls backwards and ends up sitting in it. Oh. And stands back up immediately and she's soaked basically from, you know, kind of midsection down. All right. Make way, guys. You don't want to eat the sticky buns at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, the sticky buns are done. They can, <laughs> those, they can let those go. All right, well, I got an 11. I only needed a 10. It's so funny. <laughs> Morris comes down the bard of uh, extreme acrobats, apparently. So the bard comes down, hops over, pretty good, not too bad. Grandma? Okay, let's do this. I move out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. She gets a 16. I was going to give you advantage anyway, because as soon as you came down, Muddy Joe goes to the bottom of it so that you can like stand on him and he can help direct you. <laughs> I, I didn't need the advantage, clearly. Apparently, you did not. He takes the dirty hanky off of uh, Vassar, hands it over to you, Fiona, and says, here, clean yourself up, Dolan. I will just <laughs> hand the hanky on to Maris. Ah, uh-huh, no, I'm good. You see me holding my hands up and backing away a couple steps with my little glow stick. <laughs> All yours, Fionn. Um, I'll take off the, the scarf I've been wearing and use that to clean myself off. Sounds good. All right, you guys are there. You get cleaned up. He tells you the little chemical rods, or little chemical rods, uh, the way that they function. They should last for a couple hours. You guys should be safe to use them. He'll tell you once you can light your lanterns. He said, but please, no open flames. It's just a bad idea. Whatever you say, Joe. Why? What would an open flame do? There's a lot of gas down here. Sometimes it blows up, so be careful. I look at Fiona and I pantomime, boom. Yes, thank you, Vassar. I know what blowing up means. All right, you guys wander down for a while. Is anybody trying to map this or pay any attention to where the hell you're going? I'll pull out a piece of chalk and when we turn corners, I'll put marks. I think I'll go up real high, though. Okay, otherwise you're just carving into the slime. So, Vassar, you have the map. I guess a better way I should have phrased that is, are you following along to where he's going or trying to? I am attempting. All right. After about the first half hour, you have no fucking clue where you guys are at. Another 15 minutes later, he says, okay, so bring me that map. He points to a section of it, which is nowhere near Chullis. He said, this is where we're at. He says, if you draw a little extra bit, we got about another 15 minutes. We got to go around Vera. But after that, we should be fine. Who's Vera? What's Vera? Ah, it's an Atiug. It's an Atiug. She just she lives around the corner. Just don't startle her. No sudden noises. She's deaf and blind. Wait a what? Just be calm. Wait a minute. What's an Atiug? You have a shit eater down here? Yeah. What? Well, it is a good place for one. I thought they were just rumors, man. No, no, no. We got a couple of them. We got Vera here. I got Mabel down the other way. Isn't Vera the name of your wife? <laughs> he starts chuckling. Yeah, it is. What now? It's basically a big critter that lives down here, and it kind of feeds on the offal and the the decomposed bodies and other things that make their way down here. Kind of churns it all up and spits it out in fresh water in the back end. It's kind of cool. Takes takes some time, but it's it's good. It's good for the what that guy said, and he said it's the ecological system. The ecologics like it. That's what he said. So it's the opposite of what most the creatures do. Bad stuff goes in, good stuff comes out. Seems that way. I wouldn't drink it. Well, no, I, I wouldn't either. So, she's blind and deaf. You follow my lead and don't make any big ruckus and you'll be fine. Because she can feel. Okay. Okay. You guys wander around for about another ten minutes. You hear a noise, like some very loud, like a a low rumble and then kind of a vibrating, splashing sound. 
You're like, what the hell? There is a roar. It sounds almost like a, a lion or a tiger or something just bellowing down here. There's a huge, god-awful, shrieking, tearing sound of metal and stone and big splashes. And just, there's something definitely going on up ahead. Joe grabs his wrench and says, God damn it! And he goes running off in that direction. I'm coming, Vera! Don't you worry nothing, darling! What the hell? I follow him quickly. I guess I follow too. I will follow as well. Yes, all of us. The room that you come into, it domes up to about 15, 20 feet high. God knows how deep it is. There are five or six different passages out of here besides the one you come into. On the far side of it from where you are, you see this horrendous thing. You're not sure how many legs it has. It has these long tentacles that end in these bizarre hook-like suckers. On top of it, what you think is its head, or on the top anyway... There's another long tentacle that pops up, and on that are like two, three eyes in a weird cluster. There's this nasty <clears throat> maw, this big snaggletooth, shark-tooth mouth is open up, and it's just roaring and screaming. And chewing on one of the tentacles is this huge albino-looking lizard. It is just gigantic. It thinks probably about six, eight feet long. It's got this ugly, nasty rough rough hide looking thing and it just chomped right onto this critter and um joe's sitting there going damn it we gotta help Vera! we gotta help Vera! somebody get in there somebody do something i can't go it's too deep somebody go fix that save her how far is it oh about so i'd say about 20 feet from you 20 feet from me is there, there's no ledge anywhere near it i'd have to actually like jump hit hit the stuff and then swim yeah if you wanted to go up into hand-to-hand combat with this thing that's what you would have to do yes i pull out my bow okay can i fire off the shot yes what are you aiming for i'm gonna aim for the lizard because <laughs> i think that's the bad thing all right but i'd also uh i'd like to cast a uh, hail of thorns so if i hit it i get to do more damage awesome give me a roll holy crap Oh, wow, man. 23. That's well over 20, so very nicely done. The arrow uh, goes out, and I picture this almost like a, a magical girl thing, where, like, swirls of light start around the arrow, and then it breaks off into different, very pointy thorns, and they have to make a deck save, both of them, because each creature within five feet must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes 1d10 piercing damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Okay, that no good there. Oh, good. Vera seems to be nonplussed by that, but the uh, large lizard takes the the brunt of it. So what happens if they fail again? They take the full extra four damage. So, pow, arrow goes off, the hail of thorns. So that's 18 damage. Oh, God. Wow. And then two damage to Vera. The nasty big huge reptile just its mouth it, it releases its grip this hissing rumble comes out of it and it just rolls over and dives vera you think it's vera rises up it's this massive shambling bulk made of things there's stuff and crap hang literally crap hanging off of it it's this weird pustule lumpy thing it gets up and just roars as loud as it can it thrashes its tentacles against the water the eye stalk is just going crazy and she's just pounding in all different directions holy shit Muddy Joe walks over to Fiona and just claps you on the back good job girl good job girl you saved Vera good job eh could have done better I don't know Red that was pretty awesome shooting it was a nice shot Red 
Joe points off to the left. He says, we'll just go around this way. Take an extra 10 minutes and go. She's pretty pissed off right now. I'll take you around the high spot in the ground there, but she's too mad. We get too close. She'll just eat us. So we'll just go around her. Sounds like a good plan. I feel bad I hurt Vera. <laughs> I, I hurt the shit eater. I feel so bad. I know. What a weird thing to be like, oh, yeah, I saved her life, but I also hurt her just a little bit. On the walk, Fiona, Muddy Joe is regaling you with how the Atiugs operate and work and that they're really good. One of the problems they used to have are all the dead bodies that would end up down here, and they just really kind of chew all that stuff up. It's pretty handy. He thinks that for whatever reason, you must be interested in this. So he just starts going on at length. Uh-huh. 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 About 20 more minutes, he, you guys come up to a section of wall. He stops, says, bring me that map. Okay, here. He says, okay. He points at another piece of it where there's no drawing. He says, so what we're going to do here is gonna, we're going to punch a hole through here, and that'll pop us right here. And he taps at it. He goes, the space you want should be another, uh, ooh, say, 15, 20 minutes from here, but we got to punch through this wall. Um, all right. Is that safe? Don't have to worry about the ceiling coming down on us? He looks up and says, well, maybe. How about this? I'll get whacking at it, and then when I'm tired, one of you can take over. Okay. He just starts wielding that big wrench, beats the hell out of it. Who gets winded, hands Vassar the big wrench, and says, here, you go beat on it for a while. Sure. Uh, I I pick up the big wrench, but it's really hard for me to pick it up, because I'm actually not that strong at all. I'm actually kind of a weakling, so it's like comical at how it overbalances (laughs) me. And I have to like sort of like pivot and like uh, to swing the thing and slam it into the into the wall. My strength's only an eight. <laughs> Very nice. Oh boy. So there's like a chip there was large thumping and cracking and smashing. There's chip 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 tinkle tinkle from Vassar whacking it. Here Red, you you take take a swing, Red. Go ahead. Okay. What's feeling strength? I have a strength check of plus three. Oh good lord. My strength is plus one, but for some reason on my saving throw it says plus three. That's because you must be your proficiency in it. So, hardworking girl, you're going to come up. You're going to – Vassar, uh, all right, Red, here, take a, take a swing with it. She picks it up. I don't – she's not, like, strong enough to, like, flip it, but she's going to grab it, get get the old uh, baseball swing, step back, mm-hmm. boom. She's dropped trees before. She's like, oh, it's a lot like that. Smack. I'll smack through it and hand it back to him and say, just like felling trees back home. In about five minutes, Fiona's got a hole busted through it. Joe comes up, takes it from her, hits it a few more times. They basically just switch wrench back on and off. Takes you guys about 15 minutes total, but you're through. You step through the hole. This section of the sewer is completely dry. It is higher up. There's telltale moisture on the walls where there is mold and lichen and just a general damp. But the sticks, the river that flows beneath Avalon, is not running in this section of it. He's like, I really wish we could have come through. Chelly's place, because that's all dry, but we had to get around it, so sorry about the sorry about the waterway. It's okay. It happens. Can we light our lanterns now? Because these little glow things are kind of starting to get a little dim. Yep. He'll collect those from you, chuck them in the water, light them up. All right. I'll light mine up. Alrighty. Do so. So, Vassar, you, you need me to take you all the way in and out, or you got, you got your own way out of here? Well, the deal was for you to, to bring us to the, the spot and then to lead us out when we need to leave. Yeah, I know. Come on, come on. Let's get moving. Let's get moving. So I'm just saying, though, I mean, I don't need, I mean, you seem to be pretty capable. I don't know if you necessarily need me to sit here the whole time while you do whatever it is you got to do, right? I mean, you could pretty much probably just, you know, I let you be, right? Yeah. You could just tell me about the swan and I could just get moving, right? 
Uh, sure. Uh, but you need to come back here then in like 24 hours at least. <sighs> well, that'd be tough. That's the deal. But I hate to do that because what if I get on a roll? So, yeah, all right. Fine, fine. I'll stick it out. I'll stick it out. I'll stick it out. So 15, 20 minutes later, you guys walk down. Wine, twist, wine, twist. There's another section of wall. He says, this right here, he points at your map. This is the entrance that you're looking for. I don't know how to get in it, but it must be here. It's just a brick wall. The sewers have a domed roof, otherwise the pressure would just collapse a normal flat roof. And he points, like I said, to the left-hand side in the rocks. He said, somewhere on this side, it's got to be here because another 10 feet, we come to a T. It's got to be right here based on the map. This is your entrance in. I just don't know how to find it. Okay. Well, let's take a look, folks. I look at Vassar and make the same hand gesture of boom that he did. So, what, you want to blow it up? Isn't that the simplest thing to do? Why don't you use your pretty eye and see if there's a secret entrance? I'd like to use my pretty eye and see if there's a secret entrance, Brett. Sure, give me a uh, will check, basically a wisdom. So it's kind of like looking at something through the old school 3D glasses, the blue, the green, everything is just weird and out of place. You... You shut your good eye and look only through the fake eye. The whole thing is completely, it's just limbed. It's outlined perfectly. You see a wooden door behind the bricks. You could draw it on the wall with Morris's chalk. You could just and just draw an outline if you wanted to. But you point at it, you say, there's a wooden door right behind these bricks. I will take Maris's chalk, yeah, and just make a quick outline. Hey, there's a door. Uh, you drew a door. That doesn't mean there's actually a door. There's a door. You mean you could see a door? There's a door behind the bricks. Ah, okay. Well, let's uh, let's take it apart. We start removing bricks. All right. I would like perception checks from everyone, please. Mars is busy. Fiona is busy. I'm focused with my magical eye on the door. Vassar, Vassar's paying attention. So Joe's helping him take bricks down. Doesn't mind, obviously getting dirty. He's got tools and so forth, so he's handing out picks and, and little rock hammers and stuff, and people are working it. Vassar, you hear, um, so where you are standing in the passageway, you've got the, where you, how do I do this? So you came through the wall, the passage went right and left, you took a right, you went down for a bit, and then on the left-hand wall, you were told that's where the door is, so that's what they're working on. Ten feet ahead of you is a T-section, and behind you is just a straight shot to God knows where. From the T-intersection base, it's only about ten feet away from you, you hear... It's unmistakable. You've heard this a million times in your career. You hear um, a leather boot scraping against rock, followed by the metallic tang of a bare blade hitting stone. Grandma, you hear the sword on uh, the steel on stone sound at the same time Vassar does. I stop doing what I'm doing, and I pull my swords as quietly as I can and move right up to the corner and wait for whatever's to come around the corner to kill it if it's hostile. Vassar, you rolled high enough to know that there's probably at least two of whatever this is. All right. Uh, I give grandmother, since she noticed, I give her the the, the hand sign. I, I put up two fingers, and I point towards the T as I pull out my weapons and, and start sliding that way. I silently tap Fionn with my staff lightly on the shoulder, and I as I go that in that direction as well. I will open my normal eye and see the two of them skulking off and... Uh, put a put an arrow on my bow. Mars? Oh, where's everyone going? Shh. Joe, Joe, shh, hold on. What, what? Shh. We're almost there, man. Shh, shh. What? Someone's coming. Oh, okay. I'm gonna hood my lantern. 
Vassar is just shaking his head. Like, he doesn't even turn around as he's skulking along. He's still skulking along, but he starts shaking his head as he's skulking along. Vassar, give me another perception check. Nope. Only a seven. Okay. Unfortunately, Joe was a little on the loud side. You're not quite positive if that was Joe moving, kicking bricks around, or what that was, but there was a noise, and the echoes down here just kind of wrecked it. You can't tell where the hell that came from. Uh-huh. Grandmother, you made your way up there as well, so give me a perception check. Ah, much better. Something is being drug, Grandma. You heard the sound of, like, leather or something like that being drawn across stone. Whatever it is, it's heavy and it's being drug. Okay. Can I inform Vassar through some sort of hand gesture? Two people pulling something? Yes. That shouldn't be that hard to do. I nod at Grandmother, and I get to the corner and just wait. Maris? I am getting uh, dancing lights ready to use for a distraction. And Fiona's got her arrow out. Joe is just being as quiet as he he's being as quiet as he can. He's got his hand on his wrench. I mean, if I can, I'll look at His Majesty King Tom and kind of like nod over towards where Vassar is. Got it. Oh, by the way, when Tom came down, he came down with Grandma. Of course he did, because <laughs> he's not dumb. <laughs> he's he's no fool. All right. Vassar, you're up closest. You now can distinctly hear, it's a higher pitch sound you hear. I don't know what that is. What's going on? I don't know. But it's a bunch of noise. It doesn't matter. Okay, I just keep listening and waiting. Pretty soon there's... (laughs) Coming across the T, you see a small creature. It's probably about two, maybe two and a half feet tall. It has a leather cap. On top of that cap is a candle, which is lit. It has a leather thong in its hand. It's heaving backwards as hard as it can. Its eyes are closed as it strains. It's like, push, 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 you're not helping! The thing, it stops, <sighs> opens its eyes, looks at you, and just freezes. Oh, when it looks at me, my sword's already pointing at it. Those little hands go up. It's kind of got this green, gray, mottled skin, lumpy, kind of uh, rocky kind of thing. It has a quasi-humanoid face. Very wide, big, bug-like. Oh, I shouldn't say bug-like. It's just big, bugged-out eyes. The eyes are um, black with uh, little red pupils. He looks up at you. He's got his long, pointy ears. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I don't do nothing. What is it? You're not too positive. You've heard stories about these things. This could this could be a goblin. Look, we're just trying to do what we're doing. If you just want to move along... The other one leaps out in front of you and goes, ha! And he's got a small um, piece of wood with a busted fork, like a human fork that you eat, like tied to the end of it. He points it at you like he's got a spear. He's like, ha! Bonk him on the head with his staff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, thunk. Ow, ow, ow! He drops it. Behave. The adults are talking. Man, I know that feeling. Thank you, Grandmother. As I was saying, if you would like to just live, you can just walk on by... Don't come back, and we won't bother you. Why? Why won't we bother you? Yeah. Because I thought maybe you were going to try to kill us, but you're obviously not going to try to kill us, so you can just leave. No, we're dragging him. Who's him? You poke around the corner? Yeah. There is an unconscious griffin on the city guard. He's completely out. They've got him bound, gagged. He looks unconscious. Do I know him? Um, No, you do not. Okay, then I don't care, because I hate the griffins. I look at Grandmother, I'm like, he's probably not a good person. Not good? She shrugs. Little guy looks at you and says, not good? Bad? Probably. 
Oh, they start jabbering back and forth. One of them, the one that's been talking, looks at you and says, "Like upset stomach or sick and die." Uh, more like evil. Hmm. Taste okay? Probably. Okay then. Come on. They start dragging him. Uh, can I come up and do an intimidation check on the co- on the? Sorry, are they? I keep calling them kobolds, but you said they were goblins. Yes, they're goblins. They're goblins. I'm gonna roll and see how well I do, and then describe it. Okay. I don't do very great. I kind of bring myself up and try to do the like cat thing where you look bigger than you are and walk up and I start to say something very decisive and then I realize I have no idea what to say. (laughs) And I just kind of take a step back. As the goblins drag this griffin away, I say to them like, and don't forget, Vassar Vim is the one who lets you live. So remember that name. And if I ever need a favor, remember you're still alive because of me. We're seriously just going to let them eat a human. I've seen griffins just kill humans in the street, especially kids. So yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Grandmother? I'll turn to grandmother. This isn't our village, Fionn. We've run into people here that are evil and creatures that are good. It's a survival of the fittest. It's how nature works. Yeah, I'm no fan of the griffins. They cause more trouble than good. I don't mean just, like, preventing us from getting coin. Yes, but they're going to... Eat him. Joe walks up and says, well, they're not going to eat him all at once. I mean, it's going to take a couple weeks. I mean, he's pretty big, and they're kind of small. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. So chances are what they do is they'll take a a leg off first, then they keep him alive because it tastes better when it's fresh. So uh, he'll probably, well, it'll be a long time dying. Probably about two, three weeks, maybe. Oh, shit. Okay, well, that sounds awful. It does sound awful. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I'm going to send an arrow at one of the goblins. Okay, roll the hit. Aw, oh, damn. You step up, twang, it's just an impulse shot, you roll a nine, it skitters off the rocks, they go, ee! and they just, they drop the griffin and run. Remember, you're still alive because of me. Still alive because of me. That's all I'm saying. Well, shit, now what do we do with it? I'll, I'll look back at grandmother and be like, maybe he's hurt? That's all for this episode of The Streets of Avalon. Tune in next time to see what's behind the door, if the goblins come back, and what they do with the griffin. We look forward to running with you rogues next time. The Streets of Avalon is a Wednesday evening podcast all-stars performance presented by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.